Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. of the Divine Rhyme. My name is Will Hogsett, joined once again by my lovely friend, Dylan Hughes. Um, another week of J. Cole. This is our fourth episode, right? It'll be the fourth episode of uh, J. Cole's collection. And this one, uh, this one was a doozy. This one really was a doozy. A lot to uh, kind of pick at from uh, the two albums that we're going to discuss today, For Your Eyes Only and K.O.D., Hughes, um, I want to start it off with uh, just a question for you. Okay, what what is the biggest difference between Forest Hills Drive, J. Cole, and these last two albums? Because, you know, the more I looked at it in retrospect, I think we, you know, kind of picked a really good single album to kind of focus on uh, compared to, you know, Born Center and... Uh, Cold World, and then you know these two kind of go together as well in um, the term of like Cole's mindset. So, what do you think the biggest jump or difference between uh, Forest Hills Drive Cole and uh, what we see from these two albums? Well, I think we we kind of found like an interesting line of demarcation and kind of the mindset of of J Cole between Forest Hills Drive and everything before it and everything he's done since then, including the two albums we're talking about today. And it really feels like 2014 Forest Hills Drives and before, like that's his story, right? Like that is, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, all the discoveries he's made. He's trying to like kind of lay out what he's learned to this point. And while obviously there's been lessons within it that we've been able to pull out, but I feel like those albums were more, of they were more for himself and like kind of figuring himself out Mm -hmm. they weren't necessarily to help other people right like i don't think the the point was necessarily to teach people things i mean at some points it was but the past two albums it really feels like he's kind of evolved into more like a teacher of of sorts Mm -hmm. where he's taking all these lessons he's learned and he's really trying to use them to like show other people like kind of the way and and show all the people the mistakes he's made and try to help them not make those same mistakes. So it's, I mean, these, these past two albums, the storytelling is just immaculate. Another level. Like, <laughs> it really is. And like, you want to think that Forest Hills Drives is as good as it gets with storytelling, but it's, it's almost just the start. I mean, these past mm-hmm. two albums, he's, he's just gone to another level of storytelling and, and it's it's really been uh, a tremendous week listening to both of these albums. Yeah, I've uh, actually really enjoyed it as well. Um, I, like like I've said in the previous four podcasts, I mean, Forest Hills Drive was my J. Cole album. And Forest Hills Drive was the album I, I completely relate J. Cole to and what I think of when I think of J. Cole. But the more I listen to these last two, KOD, and then maybe even For Your Eyes Only specifically, I'm like, wow, this guy... I mean, he continued. I feel like I just say this on every podcast. Wow, this guy. Wow, this guy. No, but seriously, like this guy has multiple, multiple layers to him. And the storytelling that you see on, like you mentioned, the the way, you know, I like you mentioned, Forest Hills Drive, man. It's like, wow, this guy 
gets it. You know, he gets himself, he gets life. And it's, it's obviously a Hollywood directed album, but you're right. You do see some, some of those um, things he's kind of realized uh, in the first three albums kind of drop off the table. And he's, it's a, it's a shift of focus almost, you know, it's, it really is a shift of focus. And it's like almost at the end of love yours at the end of Forest Hills drive, he finally does love his, you know, love his, loves his life enough to the point where he's like, okay, let's, let's see what we could do. Uh, with other people let's see how we can affect other people and so we do have two albums today and i mean uh, con quality content on all of them um and i don't want to go i really don't want to go uh, song by song because you know we could we could take forever on that so i'm going to start uh i'm gonna ask you another question what um what kind of stood out to you initially on your first listen through of uh, for your eyes only well as I've discussed on previous podcasts, I've really been a fan of this album for a long time. But like the other albums, mostly Born Sinner, I didn't really ever dig into the lyrics much, so I never really completely understood the whole story of it. Mm -hmm. And I always took Four Your Eyes only as basically his story and like if if he were to die, like what what he wants his daughter to know. Mm -hmm. But the more you dig into this, you realize, and, uh, you know, the help of Genius.com, yeah. for this podcast, Genius.com has been tremendous. I mean, I, you, you learn so much about these songs. I was about uh, to say, we're going to need a pot. We're going to need a sponsor by the end of the days by Genius because they've made, I mean, they've made other than the running hook network, uh, just in general and Alex Burr, Genius is probably the most uh, responsible third party for these podcasts. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, their their annotations for these songs are so knowledgeable. And, you know, not all the songs have the best information, but some of these have really good annotations. And, you know, as I was digging through the lyrics, I was able to learn what, what the point of the album really is. And really, I mean, Cole has had a handful of really themed projects, but I think this may be the best one and maybe the most important mm -hmm. in that I mean Born Center is, is up there too but I mean so the story of this is basically about his friend James McMillan Jr. who was killed and it's it's his story it's basically his story to his daughter uh, through J. Cole and it hasn't been confirmed but apparently they People think that it may have been the the friend that he talks about in 03 Adolescence. Yep. Which which would add up. Oh, and you want to and talk again, about that connective tissue, right? I mean, you exactly. love that connective tissue. You I mean, that is one of the most insane connective tissues that I've ever heard in my life, if that is true. And I'm I mean, I'm listening to the project begging that it is true because we we, we talk about how you see the growth of him as an artist, but, and you get like a timeline of him as an artist, but you also get a literal like timeline of other people in his life because of this album. And, um, you know, his friend, uh, his friend, James McQuillan, it's not, it's not his real name. I, I did see that. They kind of, um, they put his name. Right. They, For privacy reasons, it's yeah. not. Yeah. And so he was, he was killed. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later and, uh, and he kind of reveals it all at the end of, um, at the end of, uh, the album, I think it was on, um, 
what what song was it on? Is it? It's not "She's Mine" part two. It is "For Your Eyes Only." It's it's a title track, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, he reveals that at the end of this album, that in reality he's really been, just been talking about um, his friend who died. Who, you know, I think a big part of this album is the fact that J. Cole kind of saw saw himself going down that pathway, and so he's talking to not only his own daughter, J. Cole's daughter, but his friend's daughter. Uh, and kind of relate some of the parallels in his friend's life to um, his own life and his own daughter's and just any children. I mean, he mentions any children that has been dealing with issues similar to these, right? And so, again, just layers upon layers upon layers of, uh, you know, magical work by J. Cole. But his friend did die, you know? And I think that's where you kind of get this album kicked off with, right? The first, For Whom the Bell Tolls, um, you know, really hits on death. And the you know initial half of this album is really really kind of dark. You know what I mean. And so, uh, what what songs stuck out to you on the initial half? I mean, all of them I could spend a while talking about, but specifically. Well, I mean, just right off the bat, for whom the bell tolls is just such a beautiful way to kick off the album. And and it, like we talk about this every week with his intros, but. Mm-hmm. he's so good at setting the tone and it's just such like a nice quiet, like really eases you in and, and sets the mood and just kind of lays out the, the theme of hopelessness almost that, that kind of resides. in you know, I, I think this is, mo- this one's from the perspective of his friend mm-hmm. where he feels like he has no way out of his situation and he just has to continue down this path. He looks into and, the future and he only sees rain, you know, that, that, that kind of over and over, you know, really does set the tone. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, so you get that right off the bat and an immortal too is basically the same kind of theme where it's just like a lot of, a lot of black people feel like they have to die to make an impact. And, you know, the news mm-hmm. lately, we see that with the whole George Floyd trial it's yeah. there's a lot of that in society where a lot of a lot of black people have to have to be killed for them to to make a change on the world and it's mm-hmm. it kind of it just has a you know an impact on on them when they're living where they feel like they don't have a place yet because they're yeah. still here <laughs> yeah and uh, immortal immortal is really the first song i mean obviously j cole likes to set the tone uh in a different manner than uh what he really is but it is that kind of j cole sound right it is that hip-hop kind of and you know the more we talk about these albums the less the less he sounds like that j cole i think we heard a lot of in the first three albums which i think is really interesting but also i wanted to uh, bring up the idea that he brings up in this song that like a, a real brother is out on the street selling dope right or a real you know uh person uh a black person essentially in the streets is selling dope and um, you know, he, he kind of touches on that throughout the rest of the, the album, uh, again, in immortal with a lot of the, um, the death theme, you know, he's like to die a young legend or live a long life unfulfilled, you know? And then, uh, he mentions, uh, in the second verse, uh, a legend, what is, what's that mean? You know? And so he brings up this idea that society puts on, uh, you know, young black men, uh, that, you're either going to be, like you mentioned, selling dope or uh, shooting hoops, you know? And he's like, what, to die a young legend or to live a long life unfulfilled? Like, what, what, what does that even mean? Like, the, those aren't the only two options. And he talks about, you know, later in Neighbors how this 
this situation that society puts on um, young black men and women kind of manifested into the SWAT team coming to his house, you know? And so, um, but again, with, with the death theme, it's like, what is a life? What is a, what is a good life? Uh, what is, what is a life meant to be? You know, are, are we just supposed to kind of, you know, day by day kind of do your thing and, and hope that, you know, the best is going to happen or are you going to kind of speak your truth and, you know, do what you feel, what fulfills yourself. Um, and then I, and then going into, do you have anything else for uh, immortal? No. Okay. I was going to go into deja vu uh, because it's really interesting. And I think um, I'll let you kind of touch on the song specifically, but as I was looking up, Obviously, when you hear the song, you're like, that sounds like if you know anything about uh, Bryce and Tiller, that that's exchange, you know? And I kind of looked more into that part. And it's, he actually had an interview um, where he said, you know, he he realized that it, that Bryson had just released a song, Exchange, which was kind of big at the time. I mean, Bryson really did good on his first album, uh, got a lot, picked up a lot. And this is... And he said he's not competing with Bryson. So he was just going to put it out, you know. And this is the J. Cole that I think we really – he talked about in Forest Hills Drive, but we never really, really get to get to see yet until now. Because, you know, his first two albums specifically, he's trying to prove himself. He is competing with all these other rappers. And the, for, the, for him to, without a, without a flinch, just put this Deja Vu song out that has the same exact sample of an already popular song and say, you know, I'm not competing with him. I'm, it just makes me think, you know, J. Cole has finally turned that corner into I just want to make good music, you know, and I want to make real music, you know. And so that's what I found interesting about this song specifically, Hughes. Yeah, and it was funny because I thought the same thing, obviously, when I first heard it, because this was like a year after Trap Soul dropped. Mm-hmm. And Trap Soul, man, I love that album. And that was, you know, Bryson Tiller's like first album. And he got huge off of that. Um, and Exchange was one of the biggest songs. And you read more up on this. And apparently, Deja Vu was actually meant to be included on Four Sills to Drive. Yeah. Which came out before Trap Soul. And so apparently this beat was actually stolen from J. Cole, not the other way around. Um, which again, like a lot of music nowadays, especially hip hop, is just sampling. And and sampling is really stealing anyway. You're just changing yeah. the pace most of the time. So it's kind of funny how a lot of these producers talk about stealing beats and stuff when what is the difference between stealing a beat and sampling? It's really the same thing, but, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, J Cole didn't really care. And a lot of rappers or artists in general do that. If they get a beat stolen from them, they, they care about it. But mm-hmm. J Cole is like, you know, he recognizes who he is. He's like, I'm J Cole. I don't, I don't care if someone wants to, and he talks about this later on too. Um, where, you know, people, a lot of people want to kind of ride his wave. And he's like, you know what? I understand. Like, you want to be me one day. So if you feel like using my name or my work to get yourself to the top is the way you have to do it, then go ahead. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother myself with that problem when I got other stuff to deal with. So I I agree with what you said. I mean, it's a, it was a very mature approach to that situation because a lot of musicians would have made a big deal about it. 
But as far as the song, I mean, it just it feels like Dreams 4.0. Like, it just seems like we can never escape this whole thing where he's, like, fantasizing about a girl that he doesn't know. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting. And I kind of hope this is, like, the last installment mm-hmm. of this story because we've heard it enough at this point. But I mean, it is, it, it does, uh, it's, it's interesting. And like, he talks about, uh, there's, it's in the chorus, I think, where it's like, stop, stop holding up the wall, waiting for the right song, better holler, because you know, they about to cut the lights off, like about just sitting around and waiting. It, I don't, I think if you could take it as waiting for things to happen in general, not necessarily like like go approach that girl. You don't know if you'll see her tomorrow. Like, I feel like it's just in like in general, just like do stuff today because tomorrow that opportunity may be gone, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it could be a person or it could be just a, a, something you want to do. And like, and that's something that he, he talks about a lot is, is just taking advantage of the moment and being mm-hmm. present. And uh, I, I think it's a good message for him to continue to drive down because it, it is really important for people to, to recognize that, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow is tomorrow. Like you mm-hmm. have today to do stuff and, and today is the best time to do anything. Yeah. And I, going right into Ville mentality, I think that's kind of the idea of uh, the mindset that um, he doesn't want to be in, you know, and a lot of the people that he grew up with are still in that kind of mindset. And, you know, he mentions in Ville mentality that he doesn't have to, um, you know, he didn't really have to leave uh, or at the end of the album, he doesn't have to leave uh, Fayetteville to accomplish what he wants. It's just more of the mentality and the and the mindset of not only the people there, but like it's it's kind of like an ecosystem of the mindset that's kind of created, and they just kind of roll over and over and over on. But this is also um, this is also sounds a little bit different. This is when I'm. This is like when I'm in this album first thinking like, okay, this, this, this is J Cole kind of experimenting with, with his own sound. Right. And, you know, in KOD, we could talk about him experimenting with his own sound, which I love, you know, I love, love, love that about him. Um, but, and then what I have for this song, I'll let you kind of take over, um, in the outro of this, it kind of starts to set up that daughter, uh, theme, Right. And it starts to bring in the idea of kind of the album as a whole, um, along with, you know, not only the daughter theme, but as well as the mentality theme of his friend who was in the Ville and just got caught, you know, in that mindset of, you know, selling drugs and went, got too, too deep into it. Yeah. And, and again, this is an important song and it, and it builds off of, the stuff he's talked about in the past where, you know, you don't have to necessarily leave where you are to change. And I always hear people say this, like they say that to, to grow beyond your circumstances, you can't stay in the place where those circumstances were created. Mm-hmm. I just don't agree with that at all. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have been in the same exact city and house for the past year. And I feel like I've completely like flipped my life around, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. just my, and it's because I changed my mindset, my mind state, my mentality. Like your, your home is, is yourself. Like it doesn't really matter where you are. You have to get your home clean and in order Mm -hmm. and you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter if you're living out of your car 
or if you're living in in Mexico or California or France, mm-hmm. like it doesn't it doesn't matter where you live, and it doesn't matter the history of where you live. Like you you can change things. You don't have to necessarily move on. Um, and you know, for J. Cole, I I feel like it probably was necessary for him to move on because mm-hmm. as he talks about, the people in Fayetteville stay in Fayetteville for a reason. Like they they're they're going to be the same person their whole life essentially mm-hmm. and and sadly like some there's some people like his friend that don't even really get a chance to leave because they get caught up in that mm-hmm. in that lifestyle and from the start yeah and it's like again when you just have when you have these this environment and he talks about like the media and to just kind of telling black people basically what their ceiling is Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the ceiling's not too high. So, you know, you might as well not even really try. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that's why, that's why this, these, like, that's why these situations aren't really improving because people just fall into that mind state and they never get out of it. And it's, again, this is, it's important that J. Cole discusses this. And I just love the way that he did this album because he tells it from his friend's point of view, but also his point of view mm-hmm. where you know, he's, he's talking about basically the two sides of the spectrum and Mm -hmm. what happens if you stay in that mentality and what happens if you're able to break out of it. I think that's why it's so much more powerful too, because I think he, and you know, he kind of talks about this to, to an extent, not, not, you know, completely revealing it, but I think he saw himself going down that pathway as well. And so that's why the parallels in this album are so strong because he, not only does he see the, you know, connection between them, but he feels it, you know, he felt like that could have been him and that daughter could be, could have been his daughter, you know? And so that's why I think it's so, so powerful uh, of J Cole to tell it in this way. And it's obviously, uh, you know, a completely different uh, setup compared to what we're used to from most rap albums, which also kind of adds a different dynamic as well. Um, But and so I'm, I'm going to go into She's Mine because this is, I think, one of the first um, love songs, um, you know, true, true love songs. And, you know, Genius kind of talks about that. Uh, but beyond that, it, it's also um, this final, it's like this turn to an extent. Um, and you get a lot of like, you get a lot of turns in this album because there's so many uh, like layers of the onion, if you will. Uh, but I think finally in She's Mind Part 1, he starts kind of looking to the future with a optimistic view and looking to, um, you know, he says, never felt so alive. And that's just such a juxtaposition from the beginning of the half of the album that is kind of focused on darkness and death and, you know, looking to the future um, without much hope. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, what is, the really, what is this realization that he comes to in this song? And what is the difference between this love or song about girls and the other ones that, you know, we've heard plenty of in the first three albums? Well, it's, it's funny because, and, you know, just listening to this album before I knew it was building up to this, but it was funny to go back and listen to all that old stuff because he he spent all those years fighting against like settling down and he was just was not interested (laughs) he Mm -hmm. he was wanting to you know go on the road and do his thing and not have to worry about some girl at home 
And slowly over time, he starts building up. He's like, you know, maybe that would be kind of nice. But uh, I probably cheat on her anyway, so I'll just like, you know yeah. leave that alone. Yeah. And and then in Forest Hills Drive, he finally gets to the place where he's like, you know, maybe maybe that actually would be the right thing for me. And a lot of these girls I've been sleeping around with don't even care about me. They just wanna they want me to be with me for the fame mm-hmm. and for what I have. And so now he's finally like, you know what? This is this is who I want to be like. I've, I've learned my lesson that the money doesn't do it for me. The fame doesn't do it for me. These girls don't do it for me. And the only thing that's going to get me through and has got me through to this point is love. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, right off the bat in the interlude, you get, uh, I've fallen in love for the first time. I want to cry and I ain't even trying to find it, mm-hmm. trying to fight it. Don't want to die. Cause now you're here and I just want to be right by your side. And mm-hmm. it's just like a total switch up from like everything he said, where he's like, you know what? Like, I, I finally feel that love and like, I really feel it in my heart and I'm not even going to fight it. Cause I just, I want to be here with you and, and move forward with you. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it carries even more weight too, Hughes, when you, um, bring back in the friend, um, you know, mindset. And because like you could, you could, we could hit these, we could hit these songs from a lot of different angles. Uh, obviously one being Cole's, but then if you look at it from his friend who's still stuck in Fayetteville kind of dealing drugs, it's like, it's, it makes it almost a sad song. You know, it's like, he's coming to this realization that he doesn't want to die. He's not, he doesn't want to go out there risking his life just to sell drugs, just to make a check. You know, it's like, He's found this something to keep him alive now. And it's almost like unfortunate because you, you end up, you know, um, f- understanding what happens. And, you know, especially, you know, this is stuff that you pick up on your second or third listen through the album. But, um, you know, and that's why I think this album is, I mean, obviously it's so much different than uh, anything that he's put out, but it really, really sets a precedent for what we get from Cole, especially in like KOD and stuff like that. Just really in-depth, you know, theme-driven songs and albums compared to, like you kind of mentioned, not in a bad way, that self-centered stuff that we heard a lot uh, in the first three albums. And so Change is the next song, which is a lot upbeat. and this one is really interesting. It's like something that we kind of talked about. I forget. I, I think it was in the um, I think it was in the mixtape podcast where we talked about the mixtape. But he mentions that right off the bat, his intuition is telling me that there'll be better days. And on Genius, the definition is like an unconscious reasoning. And so, isn't that it's it's so interesting to think of that because it's like there's not necessarily anything in the material world that is telling him or in his, in, in his, in his life that is telling him there'll be better stays, but his intuition, um, it's like, it's like a hope. It's a faith, uh, that something will get better. You know, there's nothing concrete. And sometimes that's all you have, you know, you don't have anything concrete in this world to give you hope for the future, except, you know, a blind and, you know, maybe ignorant faith that, you know, might as well try to see, uh, if it, if it does get better. So uh, I really like this song a lot, Hughes. I'm going to let you kind of take off, um, but then I'll probably add a little bit because this is probably one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, I also, I, I would say it's probably my second favorite behind the uh, the outro, which is yeah. going to be just a hell of a discussion when we get to that uh, one. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so 
again, going back to the intuition thing and the unconscious reasoning, I think is a really nice way to, to say it. If you really think about the world and I think this is where the mentality is a, is a big deal. I think a lot of people look at the world from the perspective that there's all these things that control us and what we do, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, all, all these other people and, and companies and government and all that stuff. But if you really sit back and think about everything that's in the world, like aside from the people, everything in the world was created by other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything, everything that's in the world came from inside of us mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. It was created. It was created from our intuition, right? Yeah. Intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly what, what Cole's career has been, has been him creating out of his intuition. And I think that's, that's why when the more you do things, the more you accomplish things, like the, the more you really learn to fall back on that intuition, because you've proven to yourself that, you know, you can, you can completely create something out of thin air. Like mm-hmm. I still think like for the first, the first time this really hit me was when I was like holding my book mm-hmm. and I'm like, this book was inside of my mind at one point. Right. Yeah. And, and now, now it is manifested into a physical object in the world. And it's just like really crazy when you sit and think about that and you actually create something. And I'm sure like musicians have that same thing where, you know, there's, there's not really CDs as much anymore, but Mm-hmm. You hold a CD or a record that you made and you're like, this was all in my mind. And I, I spent hours of time creating this and now like it's actually physically in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really cool that he talks about that a lot and how he trusts his intuition because, you know, he's just proven to himself over the years that it's going to, it's all, your intuition is always right. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people like, everyone talks about the the gut feeling they have with stuff. Yeah. That gut feeling is your intuition and it, yep. it always knows best. Yeah. It, it always knows best. <laughs> if you go, if you go against your, your gut feeling, you're probably going to regret it down the line. Um, but I think this first verse on the song is just incredible. And the more I talk to people, like he talks a lot about how, you know, people don't believe in God. So they're terrified of what's going to happen after they die. Mm-hmm. And the people that do believe in God and including myself, I just, I don't really worry about what's going to happen next. You know, you just, you kind of trust that it's, it's in good hands. Yeah. It's, and, it's a quote. It's most, most people don't believe in God. So they're terrified. It's either that, or they be fearing that they'll be going to hell. So it's like you either don't believe in God uh, and you're terrified about what's happening next, or if you're, if you are scared and you do believe in God, it's, more than likely you're scared that you're going to go to hell, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's very interesting. And the more I talk to people, the more it's like, you can almost figure out whether people believe in God or not based on who, not necessarily who they are as a person, but some of the actions they might take or whether they're like kind of cynic in a way, Mm -hmm. because it's like, well, I could understand that mind state where if you don't think anything's after this, then what the hell is the point? You know, Mm -hmm. I can completely understand that mindset. And it's very, it's really easy, especially the more people you talk to, you, you can really figure out who believes what, Mm -hmm. because the people that have that hope are a lot more, they're a lot better people usually, not necessarily all the time, but Mm -hmm. they're usually better people, more happy. 
And so, you know, this is not a, a soapbox preach I'm trying to give, but it, it is, it's just something I've noticed um, in behavior of people. And, you know, it, it's something that he's talked about a lot too in the past is that with the ego, he talked like the ignorance that makes a person take his brother's life, the bitterness and pain that got him beating on his wife. You know, that's, that's like these, these ego driven emotions that people let overcome them that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you can fix these things if you get a handle on yourself. And I mean, the whole point of the song is talking about how you, the only change you need comes from inside. Yeah. And that's something me and you talk about all the time. It's something that J Cole has talked about prior to this. And, and even early on that album with Bill mentality that everything comes from, from within you, like every, Mm -hmm. every emotion, every action, every, everything you do comes from within you. And so if you have a lot of negative things happening to you, it's because you are not approaching things the right way. You're not doing things the right way. And you can blame everyone in the world about all that stuff, but it's not going to change anything. Yeah. And I think uh, that line, the only real change comes from the inside, uh, is might be another uh, one of those um, metaphorical ties to like O3 adolescence, because in, in that song, it was uh, things change, rearrange, and so do I. And now it's kind of like we mentioned, instead of the idea that he's trying to get out being self-centered, not in a bad way, you know, not, whenever I toss around that term, a lot of people think it's, you know, um, in a bad way, but you know, it's sometimes it's okay to be self-centered just as long as you're not affecting negatively other people. But it's like this thought has switched from things change, rearrange. And so do I kind of focusing on how he's changed to, the only real change can come from the inside, telling other people, sharing other people. The only thing, the only thing that's going to change things is yourself, you know? And we talk about like changing the world and making this world a better place. Well, at the end of the day, you could only change yourself. You can't change anyone else. You can't, I mean, you might think that you could change someone else because they made the decision based on something that you said to change. But at the end of the day, they changed from the inside. And so that's, that's when, you know, you see a lot of quotes and a lot of what J Cole talks about. It's like, fix it at home first, fix, fix, fix your heart, fix yourself first, and then worry about everything else. Um, and then at the outro, uh, he kind of, the, the outro speaks about life is all about evolution, you know, and I give in, I give up, I move back a little, I live in, I look up. It's like that cycle. You know, we, we talk about like cycles here and you know, it, it really is. It's a cycle of, you know, giving in and giving up and then learning from it and then moving on. And he talks about a lot in KOD. It's like, choose wisely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, choose wisely. You know, you can either give in and give up or you could learn from it and, you know, continue this cycle of learning and learning and learning until you are um, where you want to be if you ever want to be somewhere. <laughs> and so, um you got anything else for O3 Adela or O3 Adelis change? No, man, we hit it. All right. Um, neighbors. Um, you know, obviously one of the radio songs, if you want to kind of count, put them out on the album, that's still uh pack full of content. Um, <clears throat> a line that really stuck with me. Uh, sometimes you can't, ex- uh, some things you can't escape, death, death, taxes, and a racist society that makes every brother feel like a candidate, you know? And, um, you know, that's really what this song's all about. It's a story about his neighbors after 
you know, he moved, I think it was from Fayetteville to like a Texas uh, area in Texas or something like that. Is that right, Hughes? Um, I thought it was somewhere else in North Carolina. I'm not sure, though. But he, anyway, he moved into like a rich white neighborhood, right, where there's a lot of nice houses. And he talks about how after he moved in there, what what they were doing is um, – you know, just making music out of a studio in his basement. And they had a lot of black people in and out, a lot of Ubers in and out. And the white uh, neighborhood and his neighbors uh, kind of saw that and called uh, called the cops. The neighbors think I'm selling dope. And he had a SWAT team bust into uh, the place and they found a studio. You know, they didn't, they didn't find anything or anything like that. And that kind of goes to uh, the original uh, song in this album that we mentioned um, I forget what a uh, mortal where it's like, you know, these people didn't think of J. Cole or any of the people that were coming out of his house as just a normal neighbor. You know, they thought of them. They automatically put a stereotype on them, like saw people coming in of his house, thought that he was selling drugs and, you know, called the cops. They never. And that's that's a point that I think he makes. That's really, really interesting. It's like they never thought of him as a neighbor. They never just thought of him as like a normal person living next to him, they automatically made these assumptions. Yeah. And well, first of all, I wanted to say, and, and I haven't been able to, unfortunately I don't have any software that can reverse the beat, but apparently this beat actually is forbidden fruit turned around. Really? Um, which listening back, it's kind of hard to tell. And I mean, you can never, it's going backwards, so it's kind of hard to just tell from your ear, but that is apparently uh, – and, again, that, this kind of goes back to the whole thing I said earlier about sampling where they're not always uh, necessarily uh, doing the most work to get these beats. Sometimes it's just turning <laughs> remix or flipping around in another beat, but I thought that was kind of a cool little tidbit. Um, but, yeah, this, this, this says a lot about our society, and I think the initial – reaction is like oh you know those those neighbors are racist or whatever and i kind of look at it from a little bit of a different perspective now because i have i have a friend that lives in north carolina and he's he's not racist and never has been but you can just tell by a lot of the things he says that he just doesn't really see many black people like he he grew up in a small town in north carolina right Mm -hmm. where he probably just didn't interact with black people that often. And I think a lot of like rural America is like that yeah. where it's just white people. Right. And the only black people you ever see are on the news a lot of the time for doing something wrong. Right. Like it's someone getting arrested or whatever, like local news type stuff. So you grow up your entire life. The only stuff you really see of black people is them getting arrested or doing something wrong. And you know, you think that's just what they all do. And obviously, like, generalizations of any kind are wrong. And that's where I think a lot of racism stems from is just generalizing a small sect of people and acting like that's the whole story. Mm -hmm. But, and, you know, these rich white people, they, they probably know better. Like, I'm not comparing, you know, people living in rural America to rich, to rich people, but it's, it's almost, it's just, I think it's just kind of a, an issue that society has compounded through our media where, and this goes back to something Jay Cole's talked about too, where black people feel like because of the media, 
that they, they can't be anything but a musician or, or an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes both ways where the media just never really shows black people in, in a high standing. They, they always just talk about the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of goes from both ways where black people have this mentality like they can't do anything better. And then white people feel like they are nothing better because they never see the positives either. So, you know, they see a young black dude and a bunch of people coming in and out of that house all the time. All they really may know is that, you know, black people sell drugs and that's the only way they can get rich. And again, white or rich people, rich white people, it's probably some, it's probably more racist than just a, an average person, but it, it just, it just shows a lot of our issues with our society. And some of the issues do fall on the individual person, but and just general ignorance. But, you know, I think some of it does come from just the, the, the media and how they portray people. And then of course, you know, the, the police breaking into a house off of suspicion mm-hmm. is another issue on its own. But yeah, it's, it's kind of funny how this is basically a radio song, but it just, it, it does tell like a very important uh, lesson within it. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of ask you because there's been some, um, there's been uh, some conspiracy theories about um, the line in the chorus. Well, motherfucker, I am, you know, uh, some people, some people, again, <laughs> conspiracy theories found on genius.com. <laughs> but it, I mean, it is interesting to see all these people and the ideas that they come up with uh, based on uh, the album, you know, like we talked about sharing perspectives like Jay Cole's doing in this album specifically, all it does is help us understand more of, about what it could mean or what it, and at the end of the day, Jay Cole's the only one who knows, but the genius annuta- annotation is, uh, well, motherfucker, I am selling dope after the neighbors think I'm selling dope and, and he ends, of course, well, well, motherfucker, I am. The genius annotation says that it's a uh, clever play on words to admit that he's selling dope. That is his dope music, <laughs> which when you think about it, when, when you think about it, you're like, I, I know J. Cole, I don't, that seems a little, you know, it seems a little, um, surface level you know and so um there's this guy on uh genius named s kathan uh and here's here's his comment okay i want i want to know what you think about this what if this isn't a play on word and actually is sung from j cole's friend's perspective as j cole producer elite has said there's another perspective that he's speaking from on this album and that's what he wanted to make clear um what if this is his friend, you know, kind of viewing it at a third from a third party and saying, well, motherfucker, I am, you know, because he's not only talking about himself on this album, but he's talking about uh, his friend, like we've mentioned plenty of times. And if, if that is the truth, and I kind of like to think that, you know, that's an interesting theory because it, it really would be uh, from his friend's perspective. And it's like this realization of his friend again after, like, she's mine, right? Um, and after change, it's like, motherfucker, I am selling dope. It's like, shit, you know, and I'm, I'm in this, and I'm in this. So what, what do you think? What do you think about that, Hughes? Yeah, I could see that for sure because one thing that he does is – He'll often have two. He'll have this. He'll have both perspectives in the same song, right? And mm-hmm. some of the songs are just his perspective. Some of the songs are just his friend's perspective. But some of them are mixed. 
And I, I mean, I could see it both ways where maybe he is just doing like a little nice play on words with, you know, selling dope music. Uh, and, and maybe that's, you know, the first course, maybe that's what he's talking about or whatever. Um, but then the second time it comes around, maybe, you know, maybe he is talking about his friend, like the neighbors think I'm selling dope, but of course where he's living at, they wouldn't care there really. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I could see it either way, but he's, he's so good at mixing, mixing these perspectives in the same song. Sometimes it is, it is up to us to kind of figure out what he's talking about. All right, he's moving on to uh, folding clothes. Um, this is this this song. It kind of gives me Saint Tropez vibes. Um, you know, he. It's kind of like. Uh, I mean, he has a little bit more content in the song than Saint Tropez, but it does kind of feel like this point in the album where um, he spends like a whole song just kind of pushing one um, one idea or, or a specific uh, thought of his. Um, and obviously he kind of dives a little bit deeper into um, his love that he experienced, that he shared on uh, She's Mine Part One. Um, but a, a line that really, really kind of kind of connects with me is uh, he talks about all this like kind of small stuff, right, that he likes to do. Uh, and he's starting to find the appreciation in the small stuff. Um, but he mentions that it's a meditation for him. And he talked about meditation earlier in this album. Uh, I forget what song specifically. And he obviously he talks about it on KOD, you know, once you once you kind of get to the end of that. What what do you think of folding clothes, Hughes? Oh yeah, I I love this song because it's like the corniest Cole song probably ever. Yeah, <laughs> but he's he's like fine with that, and he like that was kind of that's point. like the point. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just funny again because and he's talked about I, it must have been like Cole World all the way back then where he was like talking about you know all the stuff he talked about with women how. You know, all, there's all these girls on the road, and then there's a girl at home just folding clothes for you. And now it turned into this, where you know he threw all that BS away, and like he's he's mm-hmm. he's at home folding the folding the clothes now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like you said, he just it, it's like a. And this is what people really need to realize is that life is not just constantly a big exciting shebang. You know, like you you really to be happy you really have to be able to live in the moment and just enjoy the small things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I've realized lately where it's like, just, you know, just something as simple as like a stroll in nature or, you know, seeing a dog on the street, like just small things like that. that like brighten your day. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be a fucking huge party all the time. And yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, especially with social media nowadays where you constantly are scrolling through Instagram and see people doing all this fun stuff. And you think, well, if I'm not doing that stuff, then there's no way I'm happy because look at them. They're always Mm -hmm. doing stuff. But it really comes down to the small things. And I just I just love this song because he it's like the first time, you know, hip hop rappers don't talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. They they talk about all the other stupid stuff. (laughs) And and that's why I like Jay Cole. He's gone against the grain a lot. And again, he's just. Again, with the vulnerability, you know, like we, we've, we've spoken a lot about how Cole is vulnerable. And at this point, it's not even him being vulnerable for the sake of it. It's him just not giving a fuck and him literally, you know, getting like you mentioned, finding the value in the small stuff. I you know me personally, sometimes I get so caught up in like doing stuff and overstimulating myself and making sure I always got something to do that. 
you know, I forget the value of little things. It's not even, it's, it's, I mean, I've always known that there is value in it, but once you get in this mindset of overstimulation and what's next and what's next, you know, you kind of forget the value of sitting back, folding clothes, watching Netflix or just doing stuff. And I think in this, in this song specifically, it's like this girl that he he's met, or he, I guess he's always known, but just hasn't, you know, stayed faithful with has kind of finally shown him the, the joy of the little things. And, uh, you know, it could be, it could be other, the other way around. It's the fact that he found love or he found this, uh, this girl has allowed him to kind of find the joy and find more joy and happiness within his life. Um, and then you kind of go to She's Mine Part 2, which, uh, I mean, you want to talk about a well-put-together album, you know? And, you know, we said Four Hills Drive is, but Four Hills Drive is a bit different because it's it's more of, like, a story. And this is, like, I mean, the only thing I could compare it to is, a, is an onion. You know, he's got, she's like, She's Mine Part 1 is a layer, and then you got She's Mine Part 2, which is the same theme, same kind of, like, chorus, but a completely different, completely different girl and a completely different idea after, um, you know, the songs that we went through, uh, Change, uh, Neighbors, and then Folding Clothes, where you kind of start to see this, you know, calmer side of Cole, right? And then he starts talking about his little girl. And again, uh, I know um, he, one of my favorite quotes is, I'll drop this tough guy shit, you know? And that's like, at least in the first first album, Cold World specifically, and in the mixtapes, you get a lot of that tough guy shit. And then you start seeing him a little bit more, um, you know, introspective and started thinking a little bit more uh, more about himself. Um, but even on Forest Hills Drive, you get like the, some of that tough guy shit kind of sprinkled in there. And I think what you what we've really seen in this album, uh, For Your Eyes Only, is really he has, he has dropped the tough guy shit. You know, and I think that, you know, leaving this at this this late of the album, putting this at this late of the album is just such a so such a good such uh, indescribable. It just makes me very very happy. It feels very happy inside when I hear it. What do you what do you got for this one? Yeah, and you know, it's funny because he he has talked so much about wanting to help people and wanting to change their mindset and all that but he knows he can't and the people have to do it on their own and he can say all he wants, but at the end of the day, people have to change themselves. And I think this, this song is him finally being like, wow, like I have a daughter. Like I, I can finally basically teach someone how to live right for the first time where mm-hmm. like I've, I've been trying to help people for years and no one will listen, but this is my chance where she has no choice but to listen to me. Right. Yeah. And and in the first verse, he, you know, talks about how he wants to remove all the evil from the world so she doesn't have to deal with it. And it's funny because he's not talking about people killing each other or, and deceiving each other. Like he's talking about how removing all the evil includes getting rid of Santa Claus. And, and I actually, I wrote about this uh, around Christmas time last year about the commercialization of Christmas where Christmas has gone from a religious holiday to a holiday of capitalism where, you know, it's, it, I mean, just if you, and no one ever really sits back and thinks about it because Christmas is a great time of year. Everyone's happy spending time with family and getting presents and all that. But who's really winning at the end of the day 
is these fucking corporations making yeah. billions of dollars off people, yeah. including including these people that, that Cole grew up with that are poor and can't afford shit, but because, you know, they, they feel like they have to get stuff for their kids and they're willing to to go into debt and all that stuff. And, and again, it just kind of compiles uh, or compounds the issues he talks about where a lot of, um, you know, these people just get into all these issues because of the way society shaped. And this is finally like his chance to like show, show his daughter, show someone Mm -hmm. like the true evils of the world that, that we don't all, that a lot of people don't see. And, and it, it just goes back to, I mean, he talked about greed a bunch on born center where everyone thinks that these, you know, iced out watches and, and cars and shit is really what makes someone happy, but it's not. Yeah. Um, and this is like him kind of talking about how this is his, this is finally his chance to show someone that that that's not what makes you happy. Yeah. And then, uh, the bridge, um, he kind of he says you know am i worthy of this gift am i strong enough to lift uh you know kind of again that self-doubting like am i worthy you know have i have i have i done this uh have i done enough or am i the person who i want to be am i a good enough person right to um bring a child bring another human being into this world and then the the second verse the second verse really is um you know, I think kind of the crux of this album, uh, taking out the idea of uh, his um, his friend. And again, this whole the best the best part about this whole album is you could also consider it from his friend's perspective. And that just anytime you kind of remember that. Right. It just sets a darker tone on it, you know, because his friend, again, didn't make it out. And, you know, he had probably realizations similar to this. But, you know, he wasn't able to watch his kid grow up. But the second, the second verse on this album, he says, I be going to ask me, how did I do this shit? I'm going to do a humble stunt and act like I meant this shit. That's the ego taking credit for what God made. Fuck this album shit. Hey, look what God made, you know? And it's like, he's found this realization that like, you know, and he mentions earlier, he's like, I think there is a God or he mentions in the outro that there is a God and he believes in the God because I mean, of what he's seen, he's never felt so alive. He's never felt this happy. He's never felt the way that his daughter being birthed has made him feel. And so that makes him, I mean, I think he had an underlying belief in God, but it just reaffirms his idea of a higher power. You know, we tossed around God, but it, it could be God as a Christian God or, you know, universe or the Tao or, you know, whatever you kind of believe in, but just a higher power essentially. And um, I remember uh, watching an interview when, before we were um, doing the Forest Hills Drive podcast and he mentioned that he was kind of lost after it. You know, he kind of felt like he didn't know what what he wanted to what what he could share, you know, he already shared his experience of him growing up and realizing that Hollywood wasn't was shit and wasn't worth it all. Um, and you know, this is this this song and this kind of verse in the outro kind of, you know, is 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 not necessarily the peak of the album, but I think really really the root of it and how he found his purpose in his daughter and how it's led him to, um, you know try to write an album for his friend's daughter to try to convey the way his friend felt, you know, about, 
about his daughter. And I, I just think that She's Mine Part 2, uh, along with She's Mine Part 1, are, I mean, they're not necessarily a juxtaposition because he's kind of talking about the same thing, but just with different people. But it, he spaces them out nice and he puts them in the album uh, to where it really hits you on, on another level. And so, yeah, and the more I look through the second verse, I, I do think it, it is from the perspective of his friend, because especially the part where he talks about how he doesn't want to die because now you're here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know if his friend ever really wanted. Well, I think he early on, I think the um, for whom the bell tolls actually kind of suggests that maybe his friend did kind of want to die because he felt like helpless in his situation. and and Mm -hmm. he just didn't have much hope and i think this song almost falls it up and says like i finally have hope i i don't want to die um but of course you know sadly he didn't get his wish but uh again that's why it was so important i think for for cole and for us as listeners to you know have that perspective um just to to show what the other side of life can be like and so the title track for your eyes only, um, you know, and the best part about this album uh, and, you know, album concept albums along the lines of these are the fact that like everything that we mentioned and especially with the other shared perspective, you know, you kind of get hints at it throughout the album. Uh, this throughout this project, you kind of get hints at, you know, oh, he mentions, I think he tosses the name uh, or the given name of his friend in a couple earlier songs or any kind of, you know, dabbles along the line of it. But you you don't understand the whole perspective of the friend until you hit this title track and you, until you hit this final uh, final track of the album where especially actually in the last last verse in the last verse, uh, because he's still speaking about like his issues with his daughter and how um how he, how he cares and how, how who he wants to be about uh for her um in in the first couple of verses and then you know he hits you with this last verse um that kind of really explains the whole idea of what he wanted to put in this album right and and that's what that's what you, that's what I really mean by pe- peeling an onion because you could listen to this whole album you know front to back really analyze it and then um, be hit with this last verse, this last song, and be like, whoa, <laughs> I got to go all the way back and look at it again and listen to it again. So, Hughes, I'll let you, um, I'll let you take off with this one. I have considered this to be potentially my favorite Cole album for a few years now, and it is almost entirely because of this song. Mm-hmm. For, for you to have a nine-minute song that doesn't have a single wasted lyric. Yeah. I mean, you have to be an absolute genius to create that. And uh, listen, a nine minute song is very hard to pull off and, mm-hmm. and not feel like people are going to, you're going to lose people. Uh, but seriously, four verses of just incredible storytelling, probably the best storytelling song that he's ever had Yeah, where you just get the entire fucking story from, from two different perspectives all in the same song. And, and like you mentioned, this is really the first chance that we get a really good look of how his friend thinks about his life and, and the life that he's leaving for his daughter. And I mean, right off the bat, you know, he talks about the, just the negatives of that street life. He says, 
and I could, we could spend an hour reading the whole song. Mm-hmm. So I'm going <laughs> to try to pick and choose carefully because there's just so much. But, um, you know, he says, it seems my dreams faded for war- far too long. The consequence is deadly. Can't visualize myself as nothing but a criminal. And that's, that's just what we've been talking about, where a lot of these people just get stuck and they feel like they have no other option. And this first verse, he talks a lot about that, where, you know, he has this kid. And the mother of the kid keeps pressuring this guy to keep making money. Mm -hmm. And for him to make money, he's got to like risk his life uh, out on the streets doing, you know, bad things. And he keeps doing it because he wants to provide for his daughter. But at the same time, he's like, man, like, this is just who I am now. Like, this is, I have no other option, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but to be this person that I realize I don't want to be anymore. But at the same time, I have, I had just have no chance, but to do this. And so, I mean, and, and that's just one verse, but yeah. like, it, it feels like you get so much of the story right there. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's like, he's, he's, and obviously it's Cole rapping from his friend's perspective, but he's laying out, you know, it's like his, it's, it's like a suicide note almost, you know, it really, it really is. And that's the sad part about it. Uh, because, um, and you know, we'll talk a little bit later cause this last verse really is, uh, really ties it all together, like the whole album together. Um, but at the end of this first verse, it's like, play this tape for my daughter and let her know my life is on it. But at, at, at this time, at this point in the song, you're like, okay, this is just a really kind of suicidal call almost where where did he come where did that come from to an extent you know because uh, especially because he's been talking about you know how he's found love and how um he's he's okay with the small moments in life um and then for your eyes only do you understand me and he kind of just kind of beats that into your head and you're like okay what it you're still not 100 percent sure what this guy's talking about and then the second verse um he's talking uh to an older version of his daughter and so um, he kind of goes again more into detail about how he wanted out of the life, how he wants out of this life, and he's like saying you might be able to understand this a bit more now that you're you've grown up a little bit. But you know, I was doing what I had to do um, for you. I mean, essentially, although I didn't want to be there and I didn't want to do it, I was trying to do all I can to kind of provide for you. Um, and how he's seen other people and how he's starting to see other people uh, around his age, like kind of rot and, and their dreams kind of like fade. But this, this friend is still, or J Cole is still uh, holding on to like a dream of a better life, you know? Yeah. And see this, I think this is a very important song for people to listen to. And sadly, I, I don't think the people that need to listen to it ever would because mm-hmm. they're probably not listening to J Cole, mm-hmm. but everyone just sees criminals as criminals. Right. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, some criminals, even most are bad people. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, and, and this is just a great example where a lot of people do bad things because they feel like they have no other option. Right. Yeah. Like everyone wants to talk about how wrong it is to steal and stuff. And, but, and this is something J Cole's talked about before where, Sometimes you have to to kind of steal from a, a rich white dude for yourself, and he's not going to miss it, right? Yeah. But for you, that twenty dollars or hundred bucks or whatever is is going to be a huge deal for you. And everyone looks down on these criminals for stuff like that, but they're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And this is just a great example of that, where 
you know, this, this dude didn't want to hurt anyone. He was just trying to provide for his daughter and himself. And he felt like that was the only way he could do it. And again, he didn't want to do it, but he felt like he had to. And in the second verse, like you said, he, he starts explaining like his background and how, you know, he, he just saw so many people around him, their dreams just rotted away. And it's, again, it just feeds into that hopelessness where you don't see anyone around you being successful. So why, why, how am I going to be successful if they haven't? And going back to O3 adolescence, I think that's why, assuming it's the same guy, mm-hmm. that's why he was, he was calling J. Cole stupid for thinking that he's the one doing great. Yeah. Because J. Cole is exactly who he wants to be, right? But yeah. he knows he's never going to be him. And, you know, he talks about how his dad was shot up when he was eight years old over drugs and his mom was addicted to drugs. And and when you have when you have a, a dead dad and a mom that's addicted to drugs, I mean you live with your grandma. Yeah, yeah I mean and, you're in a grandma living in the projects where you're yeah. surrounded by all this activity. I mean, what are what are the odds of you escaping that? That's just that's just a situation where, the, you know, the the odds are slim against you, and and that's something that J Cole has rapped about on pretty much every album. But again, this is a, a deep personal look at that side of it and and then he also talks about how like he wanted to get a job even if that was just cleaning toilets but because of his felonies no one wants to hire him mm-hmm. and that just feeds more into the systematic problems we have where everyone looks at criminals as just worthless people right but there's a lot of these people that they you know they learn the hard way and, and they want to come out of it but they can't because the system is basically rigged against them where if you have a felony, you're done. Mm-hmm. And so he wants he wants to get out of that life, but they are literally not allowing him to. So he has no option but to stay in the street. Yeah, and then verse three, uh, a couple lines down, he um, talks about how his uh, definition of a real brother was skewed. And that's, again, um, goes back to immortal. It goes right back to immortal and how he was like, uh, had the idea in the introduction that a real brother is out on the streets selling dope, you know, and it's kind of like this full circle moment where it's like, okay, this is not what it is. You know, my view mishap by new mixtapes, um, that, that the mixtapes helped to confirm that what happened in the streets is true. And that's how you become, um, you know, where you want to be. Um, but then he realized he was he was a fool, you know. And again, this is like the last. This is like the last uh, burst that J Cole raps from his friend's perspective. And so it's like this final moment where he's like, "I was a fool, spending all my time ducking school, ducking cops, ducking rules, hugging blocks that don't love you." Um, and then you keep going down, and it's like my worst fear is that one day you come home from school and see your father face with, while hearing about tragedy on the news. I got the strangest feeling that your dad's going to lose his life soon, and sadly, if you're listening now, it must mean it's true. And that's when you kind of first have this realization, like, this guy's not talking about himself. You know, this is, this is, this is not it. And so... Um, uh, Hughes, you got anything for that uh, third verse before we we hit the bow on the knot or the bow? I mean, yeah, it's again, it just it just kind of feeds off that second verse where he's he just grew up in this situation and it's all he knew, mm-hmm. and that's what all the rappers were rapping about, and and that's uh, it just continued to compound that 
the thoughts he had were that he thought the stuff he was doing was the stuff he had to do. And that was the only way. And then he got to a point where he's like, you know what, that's not it. But by that point it was too late and he was too involved where he, you know, he just thought he was probably going to be killed over drugs soon. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, Again, and that's like the end of his perspective. But yeah, it's just, again, just genius storytelling. <laughs> yeah. And then the fourth verse, which is J. Cole. Um, and he starts off uh, the fourth verse with, one day your daddy called me, told me I had a funny feeling. And that's when this this switch like is cemented, right? This is That's where this is like, okay, what we were listening maybe wasn't J. Cole entirely, right? That was this guy that he first mentioned died and changed um, earlier in the album. And so essentially, uh, this, this James McQuillan or McQuillan, whatever, you know, the given name for him is he, he called, uh, J Cole and he was like, you know, kind of starting to go into detail of like, you know, I, 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 I've known you since we were children. Your mom was like my mom. I always remember the good times over at your house. Um, you know, and you tried, you tried to help me out and you try to get me going. And J Cole, kind of um hops in he's like wait 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 what what are you talking about you know he's like stop he's like stop what are you talking about but the guy said but his friend says listen i don't i don't have any time for this uh i just got a feeling got visions from the other side like the time i'm living on is borrowed um but he's he's like if i got one thing that i am proud of it is the fact that i was a father um he tells j cole to write a story down uh, and if I pass, go and play it for my daughter, you know, and that's, that's where this onion kind of reveals itself. And that's, I, I get chills every time I hear this, this part of the song, because it's like, man, this album, it's this first time you have this realization, if you're listening, like really, really tough that this album is a lot, a lot, a lot deeper than, you know, you really thought. And, you know, it's not just a surface level of J. Cole telling his, his his life, but he's sharing the life of a friend that he asked J. Cole to share, you know, because he won't have the chance to uh, maybe say this stuff to his daughter, right? And so, I mean, it's just incredibly sad and incredibly deep. But uh, once J. Cole finally feels ready to share his experience of his own uh, life with his daughter, right? And kind of correlate a lot of it to uh, his friend. It just adds this extra, extra impact that hits me. He's deep, deep in the soul. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were reading through some of those lyrics and I like got goosebumps. Like it's just, yeah, it, it's just amazing. And, and it happened to me earlier when I was reading through this. It's like, this song is a damn book, man. Yeah. Like it is it is just packed full of like goosebump worthy lines. And it's, I mean, again, and he finishes it off with such a great message, how it's like, he's talking to, to his daughter, to his friend's daughter. And he's like, you know, your daddy was real not because of all this stupid stuff that people will tell you is cool. Like serving dr- or dealing drugs or, you know, having sex at 12 years old or having a Cadillac, whatever, like, Mm-hmm. He was real because he loved you. And and it kind of goes back to Forest Hills Drives, too, at, at the end where he's talking about how the only thing that matters is love. And mm-hmm. and again, he finishes it off with the same thing here where it's like, you know, the, the only thing that, that makes someone real is, is that they, you know, that they live out of love. And and that's what his 
that's what her dad did, even though he got taken out uh, very way too soon. All right, Hughes, you got um, any final thoughts on this album uh, as a whole? I mean, just it, it's got to be one of one of the best concept albums I've ever heard. Yeah, like not just from J. Cole, and there's a lot of good ones, but this this one was just incredibly well done and and very 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 unique. I mean. Yeah. It's very, it's, I really doubt you'll ever hear an album like this in this. And it just shows um, how, how just as an artist, how smart J. Cole is with, he, he's just able to piece everything together in the perfect way from, from how he says stuff to, to the sonic part. And just the, the storytelling is just incredible. And I mean, you just get an incredible storytelling throughout this whole thing. And again, for him to finish finish it off with four verses of just incredible storytelling like this, yeah, it's it's just another testament to uh, J. Cole's genius. Yeah, and so you know, like I mentioned before, I always thought I, I think Forest Hills Drive and this album is great uh, are great in two different ways. I think Forest Hills Drive is like uh, sonically uh, a hip hop. Every song's like a banger, right? They all sound really, really good, and it also has it has a perfect combination of storytelling like real 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 stuff in it and um sonically it sounds good and that's not to say that this album doesn't sonically sound good i I don't think it sounds any any less good at all or or, you know i don't think it sounds any worse at all it's just it's it's a different album you know They're, they're two completely and that's why i don't like comparing that shit man because like you take away from the greatness of each of them you know, and I'm so I'm not gonna say sit out here and say that this one's better than Forest Hills Drive or the other or the other way around. They're just different, and they're both phenomenal, man. And so I know if you're listening here, and you know you didn't really look into Force or uh, for your eyes only, um, and you're kind of realizing some of these things that you know it took me until I really went through and analyzed to realize. Go back and listen to it. You know, because it is an absolutely different different album once you know kind of uh, the theme, the actual theme and what what he's talking about. And so, um, Hughes, we had, me and Hughes made a little um, mid-pod decision. No way we could speak uh, about For Your Eyes Only as much as we wanted to, KOD as much as we wanted to, and condense it to an acceptable time limit because right now this is probably at max our acceptable time limit. Uh, Cause like we talked about, uh, like Hughes mentioned uh, at the end on of the title track of for your eyes only, it's hard to keep an audience for that long, you know? And so I'm not going to overdo it. Go back and listen to this album though, like for real, because it, it, it is an incredible work of art, you know? And I, I've, I, 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 I wouldn't even call to an extent Forest Hills Drive is a work of art. This this is a work of art, man. Like it took some real thought, real, real uh heart and soul of J. Cole that he throws into this, not just his, but uh to his friend's daughter and then um children of uh many, many people, you know, throughout the country that unfortunately face the same issues you know and so again this is that's what that's what this album at least in my opinion was about um hughes uh we got kod next week um then gonna be tomorrow actually might do a little double double pod two two divine rhymes in one week haven't really made a decision uh you got any final thoughts hughes 
I mean, again, just just an incredible album, and I think one that's very overlooked. Yeah. Because yep. you know, and, and you you know you, I mean, I think you probably represent a lot of people where, you know, you mostly listen to just Four Hills Drive, and that was kind of what you knew Jay Cole as, but yeah. A lot of people, I think, need to start opening these other boxes and, and recognizing that he he is so much more than than that album. And mm-hmm. and as you said, like these are two very different albums, and they really can't be compared. They're very, yeah. they have two different they have two different angles, and they're both you know equally as important. I think it just there's different different themes in them, and you know each person is gonna take different things out of them, but. I, I just think I'll always, no matter what J. Cole puts out in the future, I'll just always look back to this one as, if not my favorite one of them, just because, again, that it, everything just came together perfectly, and it was just such a unique album. All right, then. Uh, it's time for – this is stolen uh, from Zach Griffith, 100% of uh, – 100%. Time for shameless plugs time. <laughs> First up, we got Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Last week, Pistons, Bucks, Trailblazers came out last Friday. This week, Timberwolves, Clippers, 76ers. That'll be good an episode. That'll be a good episode, Hughes. That'll be a pretty nice episode. Um, another big time news. Give me a siren, Alex. Give me a siren. Lynn Sanity is back. Lynn Sanity is back. I repeat, Caleb Lynn is back, and uh, you gotta you gotta expect that guy to be fired up. You really do. I mean, when's when's that guy not fired up? But that's why we love him. He's talking about the NFL offseason this Tuesday, and he's gonna chat a little bit about um, the NBA um, next week uh, for Circle City. <laughs> that's a tongue twister, Zach Griffith. For Circle City Cinema, we got Zach and Alex Falcon. Um, Zach and Alex, the Falcon Winter Soldier finale recap on Tuesday, um, today, or that's tomorrow. Whenever that's whenever this episode is released, um, Oscars review Thursday with Cooper. Road to F nine Fast Knife Fast Five with Bryce and JD next week. You know, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling with pronouncing these Hughes. I, I I don't know what it is, but road to F9 Fast Five with Bryce and JD next week. Um, and then we got favorite favorite movies, Parasite with Dylan next week. Uh, Parasite, Dylan, is, you went with Parasite for favorite movie? Yeah, man. Like, I mean, we're just talking about this, the uniqueness of this album. I mean, talk about a unique movie, man. You'll never find a movie like Parasite, and is, is, you know, it's a, it's a very different movie because you got the subtitle thing. You know, I usually yeah. like to just kind of lay back and have to, to watch a movie, not read a movie. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it every time, man. It, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, so favorite movies. Uh, I don't know if you listened to um, The Battleground last week, um, but I'm actually going to be on uh, the favorite movies with um, Griffith and I chose Interstellar. So I'm going to have a lot of fun <laughs> with that. You know, you want to talk about an onion. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's an onion. Uh, but for, uh, finally, for Circle City Cinema, we got Best Picture Draft from the 90s to 2020. That would be a fun episode. That would be a fun episode. Um, then we got the Battleground uh, podcast about the NBA. Uh, Aldridge, Steph Curry, Jamal Murray uh, with me. 
last week uh some ryan gregory gregory slander uh if you like any of that a lot of a lot of gregory slander hashtag 10 man hashtag no heart speaking of gregory we got top top offensive draft prospects out last monday defensive prospects last week and then we got a mock draft this week i'm taking bosses i am taking bosses draft that's Sorry, I've been hammering Gregory like it's nobody's business. Um, and then Divine Rhyme, you know, last week we had 2014 Forest Hills Drive. This week we're going to get you this podcast for, for your eyes only, and then we're going to do uh, a KOD one before we move on to our next um, artist, which we will reveal next week, although I think uh, – I think Hughes and I have got something special uh, cooking up for you. Again, the non-running hook plugs, Facts and Stats by J.D. Hall. Brilliant mind. I love J.D., that guy. He's got to be one of the best on our podcast, honestly, or on our, on our network. I, I love J.D. Uh, check out Facts and Stats. I know you'd appreciate it. And then, again, from young, one young soul to another, I am holding it up right now. Unfortunately, uh, this isn't a video podcast, but – uh, a really, really good book. Um, you know, like like Zach said in uh, the battleground last week. You know, if if you're anyone, uh, I think it's an aim for uh, obviously a young young soul, kind of college age kids that are kind of trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. But just anyone uh, kind of going through uh, an un unwavering or you know uncertain point in their life i think this is a really good book and kind of uh it's 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 huge being vulnerable you know and if you if you've listened to this pod before we love a little bit of vulnerability uh because it because it helps us figure figure ourselves out so yes we got those we got kod here uh, at some point here soon hughes um uh, that's it for me brother you got anything else Looking forward to KD, KOD, man. The the staple of J. Cole's discography for now. Yeah. I think he's got something coming up uh, this year, hopefully. But uh, we're going to be up to date on J. Cole, so I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you all for listening. This has been episode four of The Divine Rhyme on the Running Hook podcast next work network really been struggling okay i've really been struggling with my enunciation here in the last last 10 minutes but i think that's my monster wearing off on me so uh, again thank you for listening uh and then we got choose wisely next week baby thanks again <laughs>